Hi there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana, an issue-oriented newsmaker radio program heard weekdays on 18 radio stations with 27 signals all across the Treasure State. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and we'll do our best to keep you connected. We're also on Facebook at Voices of Montana and on the Internet at VoicesOfMontana.com, where I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. This is Gabe Erickson filling in for Tom Schultz. We have a great show today talking about the transition to green energy. Is it possible? And what's it going to take to get there? That's today on Voices of Montana. Talking with the Bureau uh, regarding the Bureau of Business and Economic Research's Economic Outlook Seminars that's going around the state to talk about this green energy transition. And they're asking that question that I posed earlier. What's it going to take to get there? Is it possible? Do people even believe it is possible? And so I've got three fabulous guests today. My first guest is Heather McDowell, who is with Sabanye Stillwater. And Heather, how are you doing this morning? Hey, Gabe. Great to hear you. And welcome welcome to your own show, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I fill in for Tom now and then when he needs you know some time off. And uh, I get handed the fun stuff like this. And I get a chance to meet people like you. So... Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me. We've been going around the state. Last week, we were in Helena, Great Falls, Missoula, finally coming back home here to Billings to talk about uh, just just what you stated. Yeah. So this the seminar for the viewers uh, understanding started the 23rd and it goes through March 13th and it, it's touring the state in, you know, Helena, as you mentioned, uh, we've got Billings coming up tomorrow, Bozeman, Butte, Kalispell, Lewistown, and uh, Haver, and you're one of the speakers, correct? Yeah, that's right. And you work uh, for Sabanya Stillwater, and as I'm putting together some of the show here, I was thinking and reading about some of the stuff you guys have going on and, and the sustainability factor when it comes to mining, and, and uh, you guys do a lot of palladium mining, correct? Yeah, we do. We're mining a platinum and palladium out in the Beartooth Mountains, um, just outside of Absorkey and outside of Big Timber at our Stillwater and our East Boulder Mines. We're essentially mining a palladium-rich reef uh, just sort of towards each other. We're, two mines are quite far apart to drive to them, but as the crow flies, um, really, we're just mining towards ourselves underground, pulling just about under 1,800 people there. Um, these are our great jobs. They're hard jobs. They're, um, you know, really, um, it's just a really important critical resource for the country. We are the only platinum and palladium producer in the United States, uh, if you're not getting your palladium from us, we're about 80% palladium, 20% platinum. If you're not getting your palladium from us, it's generally coming from Russia. So really important that we can keep doing what we're doing. Obviously, this green energy transition is is important in a bunch of different ways to us as a, a large industrial consumer of electricity and also then to an entity on the other side where we're providing some of the metals that we will need for the transition so it's it's so interesting how these seminars take place. Um, if anyone has had the luxury of hearing Pat Barkey, who heads up the Bureau, speak, it really is that sort of oxymoron of a of a guy who is a brilliant economist who happens who happens to also have amazingly dry wit. And um, the seminars in general are just just fantastic. Each of the three cities we were in last week, there's um, three of us doing this lunchtime panel. There's a whole host of other. Um, just rich economic discussion before it comes to this green energy conversation. But um, every conversation last week was was vastly different. I think if you looked at recordings, it, it is just interesting how the audience really makes 
a discussion like this. And um, it'll be so interesting to see uh, what people want to hear about in Billings. Yeah. What are some of the things that people have been saying to you as you've gotten into those uh, lectures and panels and things across the state so far? Yeah, well, first, maybe I'll say you can still get your tickets. Just go to economicoutlookseminar.com or Google BBER and um, registration, and you can still sign up. There's still some room in Billings, so I, I don't want to give away the whole show, but um, the, the issues really are, they start out with electricity for Montana. Montana has been a historic exporter of electricity because of coal strip. Coal Strip has really powered the Northwest for years. Now that Coal Strip Units 1 and 2 are shut down, we are starting to see some pretty major changes to our electric supply. And I think that's really where the conversation starts here, is where are we going to get our electricity from in the future? And I think that's something um, that's set up very nicely. Northwestern, who is the prime sponsor for the Outlook Seminars, goes just before the lunch program and talks a little bit about its resource supply, talks about um, where it gets its its electricity resources right now. And that's just a really good overview for um, anyone who, who doesn't have all of that data at their hands. And then I think we go into what's it going to look like in five years, 10 years, 30 years. And I think the answer is it's going to look vastly different. Um, there are not going to be more coal-fired power plants built, no matter, I think, how one feels ideologically about that um, from a regulatory standpoint. It's just not going to happen. So we do need a replacement. We need replacement to come fairly quickly. And I I do think there's a lot of options, but I I think we're really going to have to get after it in Montana and um, maybe look across the aisle and really focus on working together to get this new resource in place because it doesn't exist yet and we know we need it. So I think that's sort of the, the focus of um, where we start out with where we're all, will our electricity come from as we look down the road. Yeah, I definitely don't want to take away from uh, the presentations themselves. I, want, I don't want to give away all the, the goods, right? Uh, we want people to get there uh, in your respective communities and, and be able to, it sounds like the audience can participate and, and add their, their voice a little bit, right? Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, and really the the course of questioning has really set the stage for what we've discussed. And it's a, it's a really cool panel. Um, Suzanne Tillman, who is the dean of the business school, Dr. Suzanne Tillman, who's the dean of the business school at the University of Montana, is moderating. She's actually from Haver. Um, I think a lot of people know that name, really well known around the Haver area. So she'll be doing a homecoming when we make our way over to Haver in March. And she just does a, a really great job bringing the audience into it. And um, just, I, I think it really just flows depending on what questions the audience has. Yeah, that's great. I am curious when it comes to the, the work you do day in and day out there at the mine. Um, what does, <laughs> and, and silly me if, I, if I'm missing something here, I'm just uh, curious, right? Like what, when it comes to mining, how do you perceive like sustainability? What does that look like? When it comes to mining, and I, I just saw that you guys released earlier in January that you appointed a new chief sustainability officer. Like you, you all are taking this very seriously uh, when it comes to getting to this place, right? Yeah, well, I mean, anyone who's driven up our beautiful valleys, um, I, I hope would understand what what a privilege it is for us to be mining there. I mean, it really is just an extreme privilege. And I think we feel a huge sense of responsibility because we know we can do this mining right here. We can do it. It 
here in our communities where it has a symbiotic benefit to, to nearly everyone. So we really want to make sure we can continue doing this work in the U.S. and in Montana because we think we can do it that much better. We have really sophisticated government payment structures so that the money from our hard, hard rock mining flows the right way to our local affected units of government, which are um, generally headed up by our counties. They're able to make these critical decisions. You know, you start mining in, in other jurisdictions internationally, and your mining company might have to come in and build schools and infrastructure and, and hospitals. You know, here we have the luxury of having sophisticated governments set up who can use the money appropriately. And we have robust environmental um, regulations, and we want to be regulated robustly. We want to have um, stringent requirements that we have to follow because it gives people confidence. It means that people can drive past our operations. And I think the best compliment I can ever receive is, hey, Heather, I think I drove by the mine last weekend when I went up fishing at Woodbine. And, you know, that that's something that we take really seriously, making sure that we can comply with robust regulation. And then, you know, we do this um, with unionized labor. We, um, we believe in collective bargaining. We have a workforce that's made up largely of United Steelworkers, and uh, we think we get a lot of benefit from that. These are great jobs. Um, these jobs pay about $110,000 each before benefits, which are are also quite large. So, you know, we believe in prevailing wages and prevailing work conditions, and then we want to work with our communities. We really have the luxury here of what we call our Good Neighbor Agreement. It's a binding legal contract with Northern Plains Resource Council, and it really gives um, our environmental and community groups a seat at the table. And it, it, I think, helps us become better. A lot of the things that they've suggested over the years have really been the right thing to do for our towns and um, and for the area around us and for our rivers and, and environment in general. So I think we have, we feel an obligation to do this here because we think we can do it better than mining has done outside of the U.S. and outside of Montana. Yeah, that's fantastic. The question posed on the website is uh, interesting. And I'm wondering just real, real quick is, <laughs> do you believe that an emissions-free world is, is not only right around the corner, but possible emissions-free? <laughs> well, I, I think, um, you know, I think there has to be gray area in all of this, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're going to, we have to, what, what I, what I will say tomorrow and what I will say for anyone who talks to me or or um, gets involved with what we're doing? We have to come to the middle, right? We have to start. Um, we have to start working together on this. I know what I do know is that if we do see it in black and white, um, and we we only see the black or the white, we're not going to fix this problem for Montana. I mean, we um, we are the last permitted hard rock mine on Forest Service land in the U.S. And we received our operating permit in 1998. You know, we are not mining here in the U.S. We are not mining in Montana in the quantities that are going to be needed for this green energy transition. And and we know we can do it well here. So I think we all need to move closer to the middle and really stop the rhetoric about it's going to be all one thing and nothing the other. So probably doesn't answer your question, Gabe, but that's, uh, that's the answer in my mind. Yeah, no, I mean, it does. I think what you're ultimately saying is you got to get the politics out of it and just have genuine conversations and you eat the elephant one bite at a time. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I, I think we're all going to have to give up. I mean, I, I think if you don't believe in climate change, I, I think the ship has sailed and you, you 
really need to have have your friends um, get you on board a little bit. But if I, I think the zero emissions is um, probably not possible for a very very long time, if at all. But I think there's a middle ground in there where um, you know we can continue to to do what we need to do, but maybe do it better than we used to do it. Yeah. Well, Heather, thank you so much for taking the time this morning to join us. Gabe Erickson filling in today for Tom Schultz and all week. So I'll be with you through Thursday. Today, we're talking about the BBER's Economic Outlook Seminar Series. And the topic is implementing the green energy transition. What would it take? And I love the question would, not will. I think that kind of leaves it open to is it possible and reverse engineering. If it is possible, what's it going to take? If you're interested in this kind of topic, it's coming to a city near you in Montana. Billings tomorrow, Bozeman on the 31st and on the 1st in Butte. And then another round on the 6th, 12th and 13th, February 6th in Kalispell, Lewistown on March 12th and Haver on March 13th. And if you want a ticket to that conversation, economicoutlookseminar.com. I repeat, economicoutlookseminar.com. We have Paul Reichert on the phone, who's the executive director of Prospera Business Network. Good morning, Paul. How are you doing today? Good morning. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you on. One because my last guest uh, must have been busy, so we had to just kind of ad lib a little bit. So I get to ask a few pointed questions and actually have okay. someone uh, <laughs> give me some insight. But um, tell me about uh, the Prospera Business Network and how you all fit into this conversation around green energy transition. Well, Prospera is a, a business and uh, economic and community development organization based in Bozeman. We serve. Uh, mostly southwest Montana. We help businesses and communities get access, you know, on their pathway to success, helping them navigate and problem solve around um, business development, business advising, community development work, peer networking. So so we've been in that uh, arena for almost 40 years now, serving southwest Montana. And um, uh, the BBER asked me each year to speak at the Bozeman event just to share some thoughts on um, the business and economic development um, of our region, but obviously I try to stay on the theme that they're uh, interested in, and this year is renewable energy, and so I have some thoughts on what's, what's happening in that space, I guess. Most really in the state, uh, you know, not so much locally, but certainly in the state, there's a lot of uh, renewable energy development either happening or sort of in the pipeline, and, and I just find that really, it's really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, for Montana, with the climate and the geography, it's one of the most energy-dependent states in the country, according to the BBER. So um, how do we go from being one of the most dependent states to, you know, where do we want to go? And I'm I'm curious if you have any idea. I don't want to steal your thunder from your presentation, but um, how do we phase this out? We're a natural resource state, obviously, with with coal as a a major energy resource that's been, you know, over the developed since the 1980s. Um, we also have a pretty substantial uh, hydroelectric base in Montana, but we're seeing um, part of my presentation is showing folks kind of what's happened in the renewable energy arena around wind. Um, there's been a couple of large solar energy projects announced. We're talking utility scale type uh, energy development, right? Not, not kind of smaller either for a building or, or commercial development, but really um, serving the grid, if you will. Yeah. And most of our power gets shipped to the West. Most of the electricity is shipped out of state, and, and we have seasonality with peak demand, but um, 
we're really an exporting energy state for the most part. Um, and so there's just really interesting things happening to try to strengthen that, the sort of grid connections, but also you were seeing added um, projects kind of lining up that will, uh, you know, have more electricity generation from renewables over the next few years than, say, natural resource uh, energy generation. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I'm curious, you know, all of these positive things are, are happening. Uh, what are some of the areas, and if we're just honest with ourselves, that maybe, I don't know if weakness is the right word. I'm not trying to have a deficit mindset on that, but what are some of the areas of focus that you're like, yeah, if we really need to get after this, if, if we're going to get to where we need to go? I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's my opinion. I think we're going to see things like, I'll call it energy storage or, or batteries, you know, for renewable energy, there's always that concern of it doesn't, uh, electricity is not being generated when it's needed. So I think you're going to just see more and more uh, deployment of, I'll just say, storage systems, battery or energy storage systems. And that technology is really advancing very quickly. So you're seeing it for not only for like buildings, but also potentially actually, actually grid backup uh, scale uh, systems. Um, there is a project proposed in uh, central Montana for a hydro, uh, what's called pump storage. I'll be talking about that in my presentation. Um, and that actually is you know, essentially it's a, it's a hydroelectric system that acts as a huge water battery uh, for the grid so that energy can be created as, when it's needed um, by just having water um, go through a hydro system. So that's, uh, I, I don't know that that's under construction yet, but it has been um, permitted. So that's a really interesting idea. So there's a lot going on in the arena around not only creating energy through renewable resources, but also being able to store it uh, so that it can be available when it's needed. Yeah, no, I, I love the, like you said, it's your opinion with that. I'm kind of curious on other opinions or, or hunches. Like, do you have a, an idea? Is there something out there that hasn't been discovered or created yet? Uh, you know, all things are, are not new under the sun, right? So I'm curious, though, is, is there something? A lot, to- of the, a lot of the tech that we're talking about, the technology is, is old. It's not actually new. Um, you know, hydro has been around for a long, long time, right? A hundred years. And not, now we're just t- thinking about differently about how to create it. Um, some of the battery storage systems are, I'll just say fuel cells, fuel cells have been around for decades and decades and decades, but now they suddenly have like a, a more interesting application. So it's not that there's some, some really necessarily a new, something new, it's more um, the realization that, oh, wait, this technology actually has some applications that we didn't fully realize before. Now now we can find a way to make it work in a different way. The one that's um, coming to Montana, though this is kind of long game type topic, is um, a hydrogen hub. So St. Regis, Montana was selected as one of the hydrogen hubs for the Northwest. Um, you know, that's, that's where you take... Uh, um, renewable energy to, um, uh, through a process to create hydrogen gas that can be used for fuel. It can be used to run fuel cells. Um, that's that's kind of long game, uh, you know, over the next decade to really see that built out. But uh, that has a really interesting application long term, I think, um, because you can run, you can basically uh, make electricity 
uh, with hydrogen where the only, um, their only output really is water. So through uh, uh, the fuel cell process, there's no combustion. It's a chemical process. And that's just, I, I find that really fascinating. That is, I mean, as you're talking, yeah. uh, my childlike wonder is, I feel like I'm watching some yeah. sci-fi movie or something. Um, and uh, I, a little bit. But like I said, those, those technologies have been around a long time, but they suddenly have application where like, oh, wait, we can generate a lot of electricity through solar, wind, or whatever, but we can't always get it when we need it. Now we have a way of potentially storing it and, and having it available when we need it. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of it's going to be like convergence and other technology, you know, uh, methods that got us to where we're at with our tech is just taking what exists and finding new ways to put it all together to make it that much more harmonious. Kind of. Uh, the, other, the other challenge Montana has is in the transmission system. So um, obviously the, the, the major, the big uh, energy trans, uh, transportation system, if you will, through the, through the grid is, you know, is built um, much of it decades ago. And so there is work on sort of how do you, you know, improve it, strengthen it. Um, there's talk of getting um, uh, grid connections um, from eastern Montana out eastward. So now you can sort of, I'll just say, buy and sell electricity more easily um, by connecting these big regional grids. That has some, you know, all of this has uh, – you know, potential opportunities for Montana as we see these um, types of things developed for, for local communities to um, strengthen their tax space, create different kinds of jobs in different sectors, uh, just diversify the economy overall in the state. So it's, it's a fascinating area, and, of course, it's uh, somewhat disruptive, so it makes people interested in <laughs> what, what's next, right? What's next for our community? What's next for our region uh, of Montana? You're listening to Voices of Montana. I'm Gabe Erickson filling in for Tom Schultz. We're talking about the Economic Outlook Seminar Series that is going around the state and how to implement this green energy transition and what would it take to to get there. I've got Paul Reichert, who's the executive director of the Prospera Business Network, on the phone. And we've been talking about um, just some of the ideas and some of the tech that's out there and how to how to grow it and how to get better. Um Paul, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned like hydrogen and, and palladium is a big part of the process to purify hydrogen, correct? So uh, we talked with uh, Heather McDowell and with Sabanye, Stillwater Mine, and um, how important it is, is it to have that? I mean, that's like she said, if you're either getting it from us or from Russia, right? So how, <laughs> how important is it for us to be the hub, uh, the only place? I don't even know what you want to call that. Um, it's, it's an area I'm not, uh, I'm only like lo- loosely familiar with, but there absolutely is a role for sort of key strategic metals, if you will, or rare earth metals, um, absolutely have a role to play. And I, um, uh, she's, she's probably right about if there's some key components to various kinds of energy resources, renewable energy resources, where having a domestic supply is extremely valuable, um, that's important. So that, that work is happening. Um, and it's, uh, I, I don't know, you know, all the natural resource opportunities in Montana, but I think I know there are people looking at, um, rare earth metals or just other metals and mining areas in Montana that will have a key role in that sort of green energy future. You, you gotta have those components, uh, for some of this technology and, that's uh, that's an area that'll probably keep 
um, keep some of the, the mine and mine operations going now or, or, or future ones that might be needed somewhere that I'm, I'm not aware of. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's great. I'm curious your thoughts too. Uh, we have a couple more minutes left, but when it comes to all of this investment, right, in, in breaking the, the, the system and being disruptors, essentially, mm-hmm. um, is this ultimately going to lead to cl- like not just cleaner, but um, more affordable energy for people? like the consumers? Um, that I'm not sure I can speak to. Sure. Well. Just, again, your opinion, I, think, I guess. I think, it's a com- I think it's a combination of, um, you know, I know Montana's electrical um, rates are, are not, per, you know, are, are relatively low compared to other parts of the country. You know, I say that with, I think, the, the recent rate increase that just got passed maybe a week ago. Um, for electricity, I, I don't know that we pay that much. Um, you know, will that change a lot in the future? It's be, it'd be hard to say like it's going to stay low or always be cheap, but I think the way power is generated and sort of delivered to the end user, so your home or a business is going to change over time. And um, I, I don't know about the cost so much, but I do know that in general, renewable energy uh, projects and um, the cost over time is getting cheaper, largely through economies of scale. We've seen that in the wind energy sector, where the cost of wind energy has just gone down and down and down over the last few years, largely because of economies of scale. Um, now, that's at, that's at utility scale. For like a home, um, one of my points in the presentation is there's a utility um, in Vermont that is uh, asking for permission from their regulators to allow them to buy battery power systems for homeowners because they determined that that would actually be cheaper than um, building more power lines. So that, you know, that's a different area, different sets of geography constraints. But there's, a, just, there's just a lot happening in the arena where how we generate electricity, how we store it, and where it gets used, how it gets used. Um, will change over time, and I, I suspect we'll find ways to uh, keep the cost down because uh, obviously uh, economics drives a lot of this. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's it's the right thing to do. So there's a, there's a balance there. It seems like too, right? <laughs> like if we could get to a emissions-free world, is that worth the investment and in cost uh, to all of us? You know, I think that's a ethical well, the, question to ask, right? Yeah, and the the one of my points in my in the presentation is uh, what I call the electrification of everything. That's you know, been written about um, as the you know huge sectors of the economy go more go, go more and more yeah. electric. Um, yeah. we're going to see those technologies just in most cases find the lowest cost alternative that's dependable. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining us very much. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast, and join us daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. for more Voices of Montana on local stations all across Montana.